We've been going through a, <clears throat> a series based on requests from you folks. Several of you have turned in um, questions or suggestions for areas that you'd like study. And uh, this actually will be the last of those. Uh, we'll ask again, I'm sure, in the future, but we're, we've uh, gone through all that were turned in. If you have other suggestions in the future, please feel free to communicate with us. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll be glad to incorporate any teaching that we can on subjects that you find uh, beneficial and necessary. Actually, going to do this in two parts. The uh, suggestion came to us, uh, help me focus on loving God with all my heart in worship, prayer, memorization, and meditation. Um, and what we're going to do is actually break this into two sections. This Sunday we'll be talking about the first line, help me focus on loving God with all my heart. And then next Sunday, God willing, we'll be talking about helping me focus on loving God with all my heart in worship, prayer, memorization, meditation, and so on. So kind of keep those things together. Matthew 6.33, can anyone quote it for us? But seek His righteousness and... Very good. That's a good verse to memorize. You see that one of the things we're going to be stressing is memorization. Um, so perhaps this week you would make it a goal to memorize that verse or refresh that verse if you haven't yet done so, Matthew 6, 33. The concept of loving God with all our hearts is not new to the New Testament. It's a concept that actually, from the very beginning of Scripture, is emphasized. Mostly we see it in when Moses was uh, given the law by God, the first Two or three, I think it's three commandments, basically say that we're to love God with, our, with all our heart, that we're to put Him first in our lives. But there's a very clear statement in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, that I'd like you to uh, take a look at. Sorry. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's a very tall order, very serious command. Something that, um, at least in my life, I struggle with on a, a regular basis. And so I feel it's, uh, it's important for me anyway to be reminded of some of these concepts and to think them through a little bit. And so in, in trying to uh, prepare for this message, I, I went to that verse in the Old Testament and tried to pull it apart a little bit. And uh, I found several things that were, were quite interesting. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And I know we've heard this many times. But do we understand it? And do we practice it? And that's going to be the concept that we really want to, really want to stress this morning. With all the things that are available for us to love, the most important is that we love God. Put Him first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your strength. What does that mean? Heart, soul, strength. Well, first is heart. And when you go to a, a Hebrew word, you find that these are the things that are included when you talk about heart. When, when uh, it's written in Deuteronomy and says, love the Lord with all your heart, these three areas are very important. Now, usually we think of love in terms of an emotion. It's a feeling. And that's very much a part of what God is asking from us as far as his respect and love for him. He wants us to love him with our emotions. But that's tough, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't feel, we don't emote like we want to love God. There's other things. Sometimes uh, circumstances, sometimes sorrow, sometimes joys even get in the way of, of having our emotional uh, focus on God and loving Him. But that's an important part of it, and we can't neglect it. The next part, and I think this is probably more important even than the emotional, well, not necessarily, but at least as important, is the concept of heart being your will. That's a volitional act. That's a choice that we have to make. To love God with all our heart means that we will to have Him be the focus of our affection. And that's a struggle. That's something that we really need to work on. I need to choose. I need to decide that I am going to love God with this entire will of mine, with my volition. And then the Hebrew also means uh, that our intellect has to be involved. And what I'm trying to do is paint a picture that we can hopefully put the, together here when we see that God says, love with all your heart. Take your intellect, those things that you know about God, Plug that into your will, your commitment, your desire to love him, and then allow that to stir your emotions so that God is the very focus of our lives. God's command to the people of Israel, and it's also his command to us, the Lord Jesus said, the very first commandment is to love God in this way. The second is like it, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. But loving God is a top priority. And it said, we, we quoted the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so top priority, number one in our thinking, is that we love the Lord our God with our intellect. And so we have to continually challenge our intellect. We have to continually stir our minds. More of that in a little bit but it's an exercise in putting things into our mind that will give us substance for our choices as far as loving God and then allowing that to impact our emotions and so that we actually feel this love for God. Interesting, isn't it? That that whole thing is part of loving Him with your whole heart. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, love me with your soul. And again, I, I tried to study the Hebrew, um, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I have some tools that I can use 
Uh, and so I, I dug out some of those things. These were some of the concepts that came across. Vitality. Vitality. The idea of being alive um, with your appetites or your desires, even your lusts. And that, that's kind of shocking, isn't it? Because usually we put lust in a very negative light. But here, it's that strong passion, that deep, deep, deep drive that's within us, part of our soul. With, and one of the words was life itself, with life itself. Isn't that something? We're to love God with our very lives, as though our lives depended. I wish they do, by the way, but we don't always think of it in those terms. Love the Lord your God with your vitality, with your appetites, with your desires. And again, we're starting to see that mix. Those are some emotional things that are involved there. Those are some volitional things that are involved. Those are choices made about information that we have that we're going to do with a certain vigor, a certain uh, forcefulness and so we have to remove the whole passive concept from loving the lord it's not something that just you know you kind of float into no there's a drive for it i was watching uh the uh the finals for uh, uh the ncaa wrestling last night and and uh just the drive the 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 strength and the power and the focus and and usually the guy that lost lost focus for just a second it it didn't take more than just a uh, and the opponent grabbed that opportunity and the next thing you know there were points scored wow there has to be that kind of intensity not in not in seeking the crown on a wrestling mat nothing wrong with that But far, far more important that we as believers in the Lord Jesus challenge one another in these things that we love the Lord with all our soul, with our vitality. But he also adds a third thing and he says, this time I want you to do it with your strength. With your strength. And by that he means do it in a forceful, powerful, real quick, get it done kind of way. Uh, the word vehemently is used to describe strength. Speedily, diligently. And I was really shocked as I, <clears throat> as I read those things because those words don't always mix together in my mind when it, this thought of loving God. But what I'm, what I'm trying to do is build a picture that suggests that this is not something that we can take for granted, but something that we have to focus our attention to, something to which we need to uh, daily give diligence. Our emotions, our will, our intellect, our appetites, our desires with great speed and energy and, and diligence need to be focused on this concept of loving God. Now, even as I say those things, immediately comes to my mind, and maybe it's come to yours already, there won't be time for anything else. Right? I mean, if this consumes all that I am and all that I do, there won't won't even be time to eat. 
And the next thing you know, I'll shrivel up. It'll take me longer than some of the rest of you. But I'll shrivel up and die, and then there'll be no one to love the Lord. So there has to be some kind of a balance. And what we're going to do is work our way through, uh, I hope, a progression to the point where we see that God is so gracious that he is the one that provides us with the strength and the ability and the desire to love him. And what we have to do, according to one verse of Scripture, and I'll, I'll give it away right now, one verse of Scripture, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we have to, what? Behold, I stand at the knock, I stand at the door and knock, if any man, here's my voice, and open the door. Open the door. I think what God is calling us today to do is to be willing and righteous in opening the door. So try and keep all of these things together. Yes, it's overwhelming to think of loving the Lord, my God, with, with my whole heart and my whole soul and my whole strength. Absolutely overwhelming. But it's God at work in me that not only provides the desire, but the power to carry these things out, the ability to balance all that he wants me to do with this concept of loving God. And it's so important that it's my job to open the door. Now, it's costly. Opening the door is not an easy thing. Opening the door is not something that you should do uh, without some serious consideration. Slamming the door, on the other hand, is something that has enormous consequence. And so we have to be very, very careful that even though it's hard, even though it could be even be dangerous, in a sense, to refuse to do so is a, a, a far greater negative consequence. Well, the question that um, immediately comes to my mind is how? How? How do we do this? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, I think gives us a hint of where it starts. Beloved, let us love one another... For love is from God. You see that? Love is from God. That's not something that I do because I'm a sweetheart. That's not something I do because I have these fluttery feelings. Love, the kind of love that we're talking about here, is something that is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not Love does not know God because God is love. It's starting to sound a little bit circular, isn't it? Starting to sound a little bit like um, almost a trap. But I hope we find by the time we get a little further on here that it's a wonderful provision that God has given us. First, he says, love me with your whole heart, soul, and strength. And then he tells us that that love is from God because that is the very essence of who God is. God is love. And so we would say this, it starts with God. These are powerful verses in Ephesians chapter 3. 
verses 16 through 19, that according to the riches, this is Paul's prayer, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's two very confusing concepts in that verse, at least. One of them is to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Know the love of God that's bigger and more powerful than anything you're able to know. Well, how am I going to know it if it... You know it to the extent that you open yourself up to it. You know it to the extent that you commit yourself to loving God. But it's a process. It's a learning process. And notice that he says um, that he prays that they be rooted and grounded in love, that they may have strength to comprehend with all saints. Comprehension is an active process of the mind, isn't it? And he says, okay, I want you to know some things. He says, I want you to know the breadth or the width. We're familiar with that. We can handle that. We, we Take the width this way. And he says, the length. We can understand the length. And then he says, the height. And now suddenly we see all three dimensions. And okay, we can understand that. But then what does he do? He adds depth. And there's another confusing concept. Where, where do you go for depth? Well, I'm not sure this is exactly what the words mean, but I, I get this picture. And I had a hard time finding a picture that was um, satisfactory to project on the screen. But the idea is uh, that a person is immersed or overwhelmed with the love of God. And so you've got the width, you've got the length, you've got the height, and you've got the depth. You're just absolutely surrounded. It's, other, it's like you're drowning in the love of Christ. And we need to work at comprehending those things. Okay? Huge concept. Something that we want to settle into our minds and allow God to, to really give us that ability to comprehend. It seems to me that there's a few things that we can do. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a, a few of these concepts up on the screen that I think we can be involved with. And then I'm going to stop and ask you to communicate ideas about these very, very concepts, okay? So be prepared. First, I'll put them up there so you have some time to think about them, okay? And being overwhelmed by the love of God, we, we need to reflect often on the cross, and so be thinking about ways and things that you reflect on, that, that you, you think about and factor in when it comes to the cross. And we're going to share those with one another in just a few seconds. Remember him in his death, at least weekly. That was the practice of the early church. In fact, the earliest days of the church, they, they broke bread daily. And then by the end of Acts, we see a pattern established that on the first day of the week, they gathered together for communion. And that's certainly an important part because the Lord Jesus said, when you do this, 
you're proclaiming the Lord's death. He says, remember me this way. And so we offer uh, that opportunity for you to remember the Lord on a weekly basis. And that's something I think we need to do. Consider that. Give us some insight into how we, how we can do that and what that means. Visualize the agony of separation from his father. What did that look like? How did that, how did that uh, experience uh, manifest itself? Try to imagine the suffering he endured. Now, why am I saying all of these things? Because of this, the cross of the Lord Jesus is the pinnacle of God's love. It is the ultimate expression of the love of Christ. And we see that many times in Scripture. And so to comprehend the width and the length and the breadth, uh, the height and the depth of God's love, these are things that we focus on, and so we need to focus on the cross of Christ. Help me a little bit. Take some time here. Go through, and any one of those four, reflect often on the cross. What are your reflections? Remember in his death, visualize the agony of separation from his father. Try to imagine the suffering he endured. Know it was all because he loves you. Help me with that, please. Any thoughts come to your mind as to what some of those might mean or how we might manifest or or express some of those things. It's open to everybody, anybody. Thank you. That's how he does it. What do you see when you see those things? What comes to your mind? What reflections can you express? Your sins. Mm. Thank you.
Good. Thank you. And that's where that last phrase, because you know it was all because he loves you. Hmm. A couple more. Now, all this ugliness, all this guilt, all is that the kind of stuff that we should be dwelling on? What do you think? Hmm. But we mourn the loss. But really, we haven't lost anything to be lived. 
And the point I really want to make in this is that there, there has to be both. We have to rejoice in the, the beautiful things that are expressions of his love. We have to rejoice in, in family and, and flowers and those kinds of things, all expressions of the love of God. But if we don't balance that with the fact that there was enormous suffering in order for those good blessings and mercy to come to us, we really miss out on this concept of, of knowing the love of Christ. But let's not, let's not do that. Um, the next thing that, that comes in this process of, of how is this concept of abide. Abide in my love. He says in, in John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. It, it can be translated remain. In fact, several translations say remain in my love. Um, I like that one. I also like the, the translation that says reside or take up residence. Make your home there. Make your home in the love of Christ. Beautiful concept. To stay in the same place. To stay behind even when others leave. To continue unchanged in your commitment to the Lord Jesus. All of those things tie together in this concept of abiding. Abide in my love. And of course then we go to John chapter 15 verse 1 and we see the whole process of abiding uh, spelled out for us in the words of Christ. He says, I am the true vine. And Israel for years in the Old Testament uh, had been called the vine. And now the Messiah comes and he says, yes, there was a vine, but, but I am the true vine. This is the, this is the essence of what God was getting at when he talked about the vine. And he says that this vine has the concept of abiding in me. But he also adds, I abide in you. And remember we talked at the beginning how, how difficult it would be to love the Lord with every fiber of our being all the time with our, our full emotion and so on, how tough that would be. Here we have a, a blessing from Scripture where God says, as you abide in me, I also abide in you. As you seek to love me with all your heart, soul, and strength, I love you with my heart, my soul, my strength. We live together in this. We're, we're one in this. And where you have a weakness, I have a strength. Where you fail, I will succeed. And the whole process is one of utter reliance on the Lord Jesus. He says that we should understand this. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then he adds this phrase in verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Finally, he says, not finally, but one of the final things that he says is, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So there's a lot of how-to here. Not easy stuff, but very important for us to deal with. He says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, once again, I stand at the door, I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him 
and He with me. There will be a shared experience in abiding in the love and person of Jesus Christ. So important. So absolutely necessary for us if we're going to be those people who love the Lord with all our heart. Revelation 3.20 is not written to an unsaved person. Revelation 3.20 in context is written to the church. And the Bible is telling us that we have times when we actually close the door on the Savior. The church that he was writing to was Laodicea. And he said, you've become so blah in your Christianity and your worship and love for me that I want to puke. And now I'm standing here. I'm giving you an opportunity. Open the door. Open the door. Let me in. I will sit with you. I will fellowship with you. I will eat with you. And you with me. Let me in. Let me in. Now I think the challenge comes in how open we'll be. How, how wide the door swings open. You know, we're, we're careful of people at the front door and sometimes only open enough to do a little bit of communication. The idea here is, I'm going to come in, spread the door open wide. There's a, um, we'll call it a must-see video, okay? If you have access to YouTube, here's two areas that I'd like you to go. Either this one, uh, the top one, which is a reading of the book, My Heart Cries Home, or the second one, uh, actually in two parts, which is an enactment of the book, My Heart Cries Home. Boyd Munger wrote this book as though uh, the Lord Jesus was entering right into your heart, and he uses various rooms to describe what that might look like if you invite Christ in. He talks about the library, which is the, the area of resource where I do my thinking and my reading, and, and talks about those things that are of value that I spend my time, uh, spend my time on, and, and then things that probably aren't of real value. He talks about the dining room where Christ sits down and, and we share appetites together. And some of the things that are appetites and desires um, aren't quite fit to serve to the, to, uh, to the Lord Jesus. And uh, then he has one room which is a locked closet. And uh, Christ, in, in dwelling in this person's home, his heart, his home, comes to the closet and says, can you unlock this for me? There's something in there that stinks. I want to clean it out. Those hidden areas that we're not willing to let anybody in, let alone Christ. And he wants to come in and clean those things up. I'm knocking, he says. I want you to love me with your whole heart. But you don't have the capacity unless you let me in. Unless you and I dwell together on these things. That you consume my word. That you memorize my word. That that meditation of, your, uh, of the words of God goes through your mind. And that we respond to God in prayer. He speaks to me through his word. I speak to him in prayer. And then we allow ourselves to understand some of the love of Christ. And we 
pour out our hearts in worship and praise for who he is. So um, jot those down, if you would. My Heart Christ Home, and you can find them pretty easily on YouTube. Uh, those two concepts, I think, would give you a real encouragement as far as um, maybe what this means to uh, have Christ come in and dwell with me and me with him. To dwell, to reside, to abide, to know the love of Christ, all tied together in this great ministry of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our strength. Let's pray. Father, we'd ask that you would take your word and uh, touch our hearts with it. We pray that there will be a lingering of your word in our hearts so that we're not forgetting soon what you have spoken. And I pray, Father, that um, there'll even be opportunity this week for folks to, uh, to observe this, this uh, film on My Heart, Christ's Home. And help us, Lord, to be people who not only uh, open the door, but invite you in to live with us and, and we to live with you. Make it happen in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.